This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. A Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that presents a Baha'i perspective on life through interviews. If you want information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today I'm playing an interview with Bobby Pollard, a 92-year-old Baha'i from Lima, Ohio, now living in Norwich, Connecticut who in the 40s lost her daughter Carrie in a car accident when her daughter was only 11 and a half years old. Her daughter Carrie had become a Baha'i by hearing about it from their neighbor. Before Carrie died, Bobby happened to pick up one of Carrie's Baha'i books and got interested in the Baha'i faith too. In the interview, Bobby refers to a well-known Baha'i historical figure named Dorothy Baker and Baker's husband Frank. They lived in the same Baha'i community in Lima. If anyone is interested in learning more about Dorothy Baker, I recommend the book From Copper to Gold, The Life of Dorothy Baker by Dorothy Freeman. You'll hear background voices periodically in the interview. Bobby always leaves her apartment door open, so once in a while hallway chatter comes through. I started the interview by asking Bobby where she grew up and what was it like growing up there. Well, I tell you. I grew up, I was born in Georgia, but I really was raised mostly in Ohio and education in Ohio. My education was um, tailoring, design, uh, fashion designing, and after I got through with that, I didn't like it, and I'd gone into school of tailoring, designing, tailoring, learning tailoring work, and I liked that much better because I like, I like hard things that nobody else can do. That's what I am like. Mm-hmm. So then after I got that, then I was married, and I had a daughter. And I thought, well, I worked, and I worked so hard. Then a war broke out. I worked in Western House, and I did everything for my daughter, all of, everything, she, every, everything she wanted. Everything. So then my daughter become a Baha'i. She had the Baha'i New Year. I was so tired one night. I come home, and I, sit, I never sit down. But I was so tired, it just flopped. And she had the Baha'i New Era laying there in the chair. Now, that's a book by uh, John Esselmont called Baha'u'llah and the New Era. Baha'u'llah and the New Era. And so I picked it up, and I looked, all these strange names. So I started to investigate it. My neighbor had given her the book. So that's how I I become a Mm Baha'i. And I started studying. And then Ed Measler... He was taking the the uh, load of the good kids to Greenacre to the high school. He was taking me that that was a third year. Now Ed Measler, who's Ed Measler? Ed Measler was he was a Baha'i in the next town from from Lima. So he'd take a car load of the kids to the school. So that was a third year. Okay, that's Greenacre Baha'i School in Elliott, Maine. <laughs> No, Michigan. Oh, the New Helen Baha'i School Michigan. in Michigan. Yes. 
And uh, so going there, I'll use my finger. Here is Ed driving. Here's Ed's daughter. Here's a girl from Springfield, and here's my daughter. All right? The f- f- uh, father and son was racing, and they were on Dead Man Curve, and they hit the car. And it killed Ed's daughter. This kid's got a broken ankle, and my daughter was killed. Oh, my God. And Dorothy, they just had a assembly meeting, her and Frank. Now, and who's Dorothy and who's Dorothy Frank? Baker. These were Baha'is. Dorothy Baker is a Baha'i Shoghifen Nikola, his sister. Okay. And, and she's a traveling, was a traveling Baha'i. Okay, and Shoghifendi is the guardian of the Baha'i but faith from, Shoghifendi, from 1920... Until he passed away. 1957. I had a book about the passing and everything. Yeah. okay. But anyway, on the way, they asked, call and asked me, did I want to go? They didn't have any sleep, her and Frank. They drove me and my husband to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And on the way, she prayed all the way to the, to the Michigan. And that was about two hours ride, three hours ride. So when we got there, she carried passed away. Well, Ed had the body brought back and all. Then we had the funeral. And... The funeral was in the home. 125 people come in the house for the funeral. And even the teachers stood up there and cried. Well, I can't cry. I never could. And I wonder why my father couldn't cry. I took after my father. Mm. And so, well, anyway, they worked with me. And that's what made me strong then. So, they, you know what they said to me? You... Baha'u'llah took her because he wants you to do his work. You spent most of your time on her, which you can do his work. Now, how old, how old was your daughter when she died? Eleven and a half. Mm. And the only child. Mm. So then, um, the family was there. Man, his, his two kids was there from Hensdale, New Hampshire. He said, Bobby, Bobby, he said, you know, they could use you in Brattleboro, somebody like you in Brattleboro, Vermont. I says, I'll take it. Mm. He said, you better think. I said, no, I will take it. So I gone to Brattleboro, and I finally got settled. The first small town that I'd gone to, but I finally settled down, and I gone and looked for a job, and I met my experience. And so then when I looked for this job, I've gone and told him, told him, the owner what I could do. He said to me, where I was from, Ohio, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. I said, well, the Baha'is are here. Oh, 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 that's fine. Oh, really? Said, that's fine, he said. And so then when I got there, then I had to have my lights turned on, so I gone to the electric company and I said uh, I like, they had to pay $15 to have your lights, and I said I'd like to have my lights turned on and the owner said to the desk clerk no, no, she's a Baha'i, we don't don't charge her. Oh, wow. That's how much respect 
and rather the, the people had of the Baha'is because you live the life, you get the respect. That's what's happened when you live the life. Mm. And so we had no problem in trying to teach, and we had no problem with the assembly. And so then we were meeting in homes. They had the big meetings in Brooks's Hotel. Down from where I worked, there was an off, big office space. So I looked at it. It was a great big room and a small room, kitchen, a big room for bed. I rented that, and we used that for the Baha'i Assembly meeting. And so that that's we worked that out fine. Mm-hmm. And when we had our meeting, everybody had something to bring to the Assembly. We didn't have to vote on anything because... Everybody was so anxious to get it growing. Everybody said, we tried and we did. Mm-hmm. Teaching there was easy, very easy in the way I come from. People were receptive to the yeah. message of Yes, the yes, they were very easy. Mm-hmm. But here in, in Connecticut, teaching is a little rough. Mm-hmm. But you, all, you, all I do is just pray and mm-hmm. ask. I pray every day mm-hmm. that they will open up. Now, how long were you in Brattleboro? Ten years. Mm-hmm. Then, after I worked so hard I, at the store, it's, it's a smaller town, and it was a summer resort mm-hmm. in the Mountain View House. And what we, did you do for them? Had wealthy people. My husband was a chef. I married him then. Mm-hmm. He was a chef up there then. Um, he they come into the store, and then I work on work with them. Oh, they then in that small town where I, with my knowledge, I need to be in New York. I need to be in New York. They try to get me to go to New York, and I said, "No, this is my town where I'm in." And I said, "You know, in New York, I said, you walk in the street, if you smile, people think you're nuts." And I say, in the country here, you smile, and people smile back. Mm. And they said, yes, you're right. And so that way, so they worked me. So then they asked me to do teaching in adult education, teaching, tailoring work. Mm. So I did teaching, tailoring work. And then when they come back in the store for fitting, they wouldn't let nobody else have them, and they wanted me. So the job got so tight, so hard. I said to my husband, they didn't give me any raise. So I said to my husband, he had a place up in Lancaster, New Hampshire. I said, there's a place up there we, I know I could do business with. I said, Lyle, I said, we will go and open up a shop there. And I'm going to be honest with you, everybody, he looked at me. <laughs> he said, Bobby... You have more nerve than you have brains. <laughs> and I said to him, well, if it doesn't work, you're a chef and I'm a tailor. We don't have any kids. You can get a job anywhere. But believe me, I have got there and I start to work. And the girl scout come along a year after I was there. And she asked me to put on a fashion show. And I said, I don't have enough material. And I said... Um, I said, look at all the other stores. 
Well, Bobby, they will not do anything for the Scout Scout. I said, I'm surprised. People love Girl Scouts. So I gone. I said, "You wait." I gone around and asked them all, "Would they help with the fact?" Every one of them turned me down. Do you know why? Why didn't they want to help the Girl Scouts? They're just too narrow-minded. So I said, "I said to my husband, I said, all right. I said, I'll tell you what we will do. We will. I've had enough money. I get all the girls' sizes." We go to the show. Now, remember, fashion show requires everything. So I told him the, the market district is the Jewish people. And let me tell you, you couldn't work for any better people than those people because they were wonderful to me. They said, Bobby, you can have anything you want, no matter what it is, one piece, two piece, one piece. They helped me out beautifully. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we got. Mm-hmm. And so we come back, we put on the fashion show, mm-hmm. and they had, they, they had a good, they had a, uh, they had a good show. Then the next year, we put on another show. We did another show. And in fact, while the place was packed, and those kids made enough money that they took four chaperones to Canada. But you know what it did? It boosted my business. It made my business. And two and a half years, renting a place, I was able to go and buy my own building. And so then I worked with the Baha'is in in Littleton, Littleton, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And so, but with up there, there was so much ice and snow in the wintertime when you get through working. And driving at night was rough. So I didn't do as much as I should have done. But I wish I'd have done more. But I did what I could do then. Mm-hmm. And uh, the re- then the only reason, I was in business for 44 years, you know. And In New Hampshire? Pardon me? In New Hampshire. Yes, 44 years. And so I... I my sister was lived down here in Norwich, so she'd come up there and stay a week, a week at a time with me. And so she, I could not, I didn't have any pain at all, but I couldn't breathe hardly. Mm. So she had me, she said, Bobby, you're sick, come down. So I come down here, and she sent me to a doctor. They didn't send me home. They sent me right to the hospital. November the 15th and I didn't come out to December the 23rd what did they diagnose I had a heart problem I had to operate and then I had cancer a little small small knot and I said to him take the whole thing because I don't want to come back I weighed 210 now I weigh 120. Mm. I can't eat now. I hardly eat anything. Yeah. And your sister's still here? Pardon me? Is your sister still in Norwich? Oh, no, my sister died of cancer. She was sick herself. So oh. this is why I didn't have, I didn't have a chance to go get around and do much of anything. 
Poppy showed me some photographs that she had. The first one was a photograph of the Baha'is in Lima, Ohio, where she first became a Baha'i when she was a young woman. Now I'll go back to the assembly in Lima, Ohio, uh-huh. Dorothy Baker and the group and all the people. And I'm sorry to say, all those people, all of my Baha'i friends, all those people are gone. Mm. I don't have any of the Baha'is there. These are Dorothy Baker and myself standing there together. And I'll show that's that's me and that's Dorothy Baker. So you're right next to Dorothy Baker? Yeah. I got I got hair there. <laughs> uh, See, I was younger then. You could hear a pin drop when Dorothy Baker speak. She we was everybody was so happy. Everybody worshipped Dorothy Baker and I heard her say out of her own mouth. She said, she said, I hope that they do not make a martyr out of me. Well, she said, I hope when I go, I go down in the ocean. And that's what happened to her. They'd gone down in the sea. You remember they going down Yeah, there? she died in a plane crash she over the ocean. In a plane. They found a couple of the bodies, but they never found Dorothy's. Yeah. And so Dorothy... Frank and all, they all gone there. Bobby then showed me a photo of the Baha'is of Brattleboro, Vermont, where she moved soon after her daughter died. It was in Brattleboro that she met her husband from Barbados. She mentions a Baha'i Gladys Knight from Springfield, Massachusetts. Baha'i talks about how Gladys went to the Baha'i World Center in Haifa, Israel to work. She refers to Ruhia Hanum, the wife of the guardian or leader of the Baha'i faith at that time, Shoghi Effendi. Now this picture here is the Brattleboro Assembly. And Ben Wheaton, he married Gladys, Gladys Knight. Oh, Gladys, he didn't, he was a wealthy man. And he never proposed to Gladys, but he kept going. With, so she gone to Asked Rohia, could she come to Haifa? And Shogi Fender said, yes, but you have to work. So she gone there and say, so Ben was so lonesome, even she hadn't gone a week. He called up and proposed to her from, from Brattleboro to Haifa on the phone. <laughs> you want to marry? So Shogi Fender said to him he wanted to go. So Shogi Fender said, well, he have to work. And that's something Ben never did work. Oh, he was a photo- photographer. He was a very good photographer. <laughs> and so he gone, but it took him all a month to get there. So when he got there, Shogi Fendi put him on the, on a car, and the car almost had accidents and stuff like that. And so they lived there, and they had a home there f- for a long time. And... I guess when they got sick, they come back. Bobby brings us back to Lima, Ohio, and talks about how the Baha'is there promoted race unity back in the 40s. Now, the breakdown race prejudice, in, back in those days, that was way in the 40s, Dorothy Baker took the whole group out in the park and said prayers in the morning. So it was unusual to have a mixed crowd in those days in Lima? Black and white, yes. Yeah. They wouldn't allow blacks in those places. Very prejudiced. I never had any trouble because they didn't know what I am anyway. 
Um, and then Ed, Ed Measler's son, uh, Noreen Robinson, you know her. Noreen Robinson's a Baha'i in Plainville, Connecticut. Yes. Okay. I told her, ask her, did she find anybody in Lima? Would she, you know, in her traveling, because she goes a lot, would she let me know? So she found Ed's son. And see, Ed's son, I know he didn't know. I thought he was one of the boys in the back seat, but I never knew the boy's name in the back seat. All I knew was the girl's. And so I said to her, so she found Ed's son, and so she told him about me. So she brought him here to meet me one day, and I was so happy to see him. Mm-hmm. And so she, he said, I said to him, he said, well, he was 16 at the time, so he didn't go. But his sister, and he had another sister I didn't meet, but in the meantime, his folks had moved to Lima, and his father was on the assembly with Dorothy in this book here. And so... Uh, so Ed Measley got hurt in the accident, and did he lose a daughter? In no, the no, Ed, Ed Measley didn't get hurt at all. Okay. No. Then he had a daughter, or... His daughter got killed, as I told you. Along with your daughter. Yeah. His daughter got killed straight up, but mine got hurt. She wasn't dead when they got her to the hospital. Okay. So... Um, so that's when Dorothy Baker took us there. Right. So then Noreen brought him here to see me. And it, she put a little piece in this paper. Bobby Pollard of Norwich and her apartment with Bob Measler. That's a son. And I'll show you his picture and show you his father's picture in this in the while. Uh, from Brazil. Now he's traveling around speaking. He was. He had spoke before he come here, and he left here. He was on his way traveling someplace else. He's a Baha'i. Oh yes, oh definitely he's a Baha'i. Looking, for, looking at photograph of from the 1940 of the Lima community, which included Frank and Dorothy Baker, hands of the cause of God. Now, can you explain to our listening audience who are the hands of the cause? The hand of the cause of God is Dorothy Baker's. When you put all your trust and all your work, everything in God's hand, and do Baha'u'llah's work, no outside, all Baha'u'llah, that's all she did, Baha'u'llah's work. That is, a, and Shogi Finney calls her the hand of cause of God. Now, Shogi Finney gave her that name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how she got the name handled across. So this book is The Life of Dorothy Baker. Yeah, and let me tell Copper you. From Copper to Gold. Copper to Gold, you'll learn a lot. Please get it. Please get it. So you've been alone now for yeah, three years. Yeah. You know, I forgot to tell you, my husband, he, we, he wanted to go back to Barbados. He's a Brit, Barbados, Bayesian. And he wanted to go back. And I said, okay, we don't trade cars. We'll go back. So then we're gone, and I had everything. He was so excited, he couldn't do nothing. So I had everything, the house, the store, everything to take care of. So we're gone, and I visit the Baha'is there. Let me tell you, the, those kids are so well-educated, it made me feel ashamed. Mm. Where was this again? The, the Baha'i kids. Where again? Barbados, British okay. West Indies. Mm-hmm. And they are so well educated. 
Mm. I may tell you, I said it my husband, and of course, it, it, Barbados is England educated anyway. And I said to my husband, I said, you know, only 2% illiterate on the island. I said, I wish the United States was like that. I said, we wouldn't have any problems at all. Mm. Bobby brings us back to New Hampshire, where she describes her involvement in a women's business professionals club. Her natural abilities to lead became apparent in that organization, and they encouraged her to take a more leadership responsibility in the organization, but she declined. And then I belong to Business Professional Women Club because I'm not a club joiner, but my husband pushed me to join the Business Professional Women Club because I don't like clubs where people sit blah, 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 blah. Because <laughs> I'm not a blah, blah like that. So he said, Bobby, he says, all over the world, worldwide nation thing. He said, you meet people all over the world and you meet wonderful people and the business professional are made up of business people, lawyers, doctors and judges and all these business people and let me tell you I got a real good education out of that one myself by being a business professional woman and I got a lot of a lot of education out of that Mm. out of myself so I know what it's like to be among people. I know what it's like. And they won me. I was president there. They won me to be the state president. And I said, no, because the state president took you to California, to Hawaii, and took you all over. I didn't have that kind of time to spend because I had the Baha'i work to do. Then I had my store work to do. I could not take that kind of time to go and spend with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So then I I declined for that. But mm-hmm. I, I did the local. I was national chairmanship, membership chairman. Everybody stuck me on membership chairman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because when people come in the store, I said, well, you're such and such a person. I said, you're wonderful for this job. I said, you can do this job. In a very succinct way, Bobby describes her philosophy regarding promoting the unity of religions and her understanding of the principles of the Baha'i faith. You know, don't care what denomination you you are under, what denomination you worship in, I said, there's only one God. Only one God. You worship Him. Yeah. I said, that's it. We only have one God. And that's it. Because this one across the hall is she's a Catholic. They, and so I have, I've been doing work here a lot. Um, I have our four people here. We teach unity and love. Mm-hmm. But we teach it, and I live it. And so one of one of the women said something. He was talking talking gossip about somebody. I said, No, 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 no. I don't talk about anybody. I don't gossip about anybody. No way. I don't listen to that. No. So they all know I don't. No. Now, Bobby, how do you think your life would have been different if you had not run into the Baha'i faith? I don't know. I don't have any idea because why I come into Baha'i faith is through my daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't know what would happen to her. I don't know. I, I, have, I don't even think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But I know one thing. I wouldn't change it. Because the Baha'is is... Let me tell you, they are so wonderful. You couldn't beat the Baha'i love. You couldn't beat the unity. You couldn't beat the getting along. You couldn't beat what they do for you. You couldn't beat each other. We do for each other and think nothing of it. It's wonderful. And I tried, I've worked five years on the assembly here. And what's going on in the world today, what's going on in our country today, we can't get enough, even the little pieces in the paper. And what I did, I gone, the first ad we put in, I had the lady show me how to get there. Across the hall, she showed me how to get there and she gone with me. And I'd gone down to the office and I asked for the girl that does religious things. And I took, took some of the reading. I said, this is Baha'i work. And I said, I see you advertise religious. They beg for the religious service every Saturday. And I said, this is it. So she did, she put it in. And then I called her the other one day. She said, oh, you're the Baha'i. And she only met me once. And what we need, we need more news in the paper. Mm-hmm. Because what's going on today... What's going on with the people in the world today? They're advertising the news, the news, the news. We need it. Mm. And I offer to use my telephone number for the call. So, but I couldn't get anywhere. Mm. I I don't fight. I don't talk back. Because that's not a Baha'i way of doing Well, Bobby, thank you very much. Uh, I don't know. I don't think you got very much. (laughs) I think I did. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bobby Pollard. A 92-year-old Baha'i originally from Lima, Ohio, now living in Norwich, Connecticut. For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.bahai.org where you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
fortunes and passing judgments. When will there be a time to love? And this point in history, we have a choice to All wrapped up in our own illusions When will there be a time to love? We have time to congregation Time for oil excavation Hatred, violence and terrorism
Prophet Isaiah goes on to say they shall see the light. Then they shall see the light. Of Laying down with the light. Together up the mountain, on the king's highway, to just to behold the glory of the Lord.
us all pray.
Trust me, we're always on the bright side When there's so much going down on the other side It's like a living a bubble with no trouble And problems don't exist I check on them, that ain't the case at all It goes back to the time when I was very small I didn't mind but size and age My papa used to say You can always look at the negative But you should always live in the positive So I try every day to live in that way What is and how much they can And be the first to complain about nothing And life going their way The attitude's that I can't do nothing about And very happy with just breathing in and out The ones that when you say let's go make a difference They'll say nah that's okay So I don't waste time on the trip side Cause I do know the real on the flip side And I'm crystal clear every day That's why I
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station.